Hello and welcome to the Pierce Poets Party Podcast. I am your bestest buddy and favoritest co-host Walsh, and joining me as always is your local thinner of the herd and venerable host of the Pierce Poets Party. How are you doing, buddy? Just swell. Surprise, everyone. Here we are. Yeah, where the hell have we been? Just a just a little little motivational episode with something that we're passionate about before we uh, kick off season two. Yeah, we'll get we'll get more into season two later. We'll probably do an update episode or something like that. But today is actually a special occasion because it is the ten year anniversary of my my first warp tour. Um, your second, but it was the first we went to together. And it was really the event that kicked off this whole everything. Yeah, ev- everything. Um, Our big bang. Yeah. So we actually we'll get into a little background first before we get into the actual show. So the previous summer um, was my fr- you took me to my first concert I ever went to. That was um, Lincoln Park and Incubus. That was only the previous summer. That was wow. yeah. That was the summer of 2012. We were just kids. We it, were, felt, it felt like we were so young. Yeah. Um, that would have been summer of 2011, then, right? No. Because this warped tour that we're talking about is summer of 2012. No, it's summer of 2013. Yours, your first one was the summer of 2012. Uh, right, right, right. Because we. Uh, spent every day in the summer together uh, in our youth. And I remember you going to the first one and then you came back talking with fire in your eyes about bands like <laughs> Falling in Reverse and Chelsea Grin. Yeah, um, Chelsea Grin walking into my first Warped Tour with Recreant playing literally at the gates of Warped Tour. Had seen nothing like it before, had heard nothing like it before. It's changed everything all at once. So, of course, being the hanger-on that I am, um, I decided to go to next year's. Um, and so I'm trying to think back because I guess it was like January or February where the lineup got announced. So I started, it was my first real time listening to any of this music. Like growing up, I listened to um, a lot of like Green Day, Blink-182, All-American Rejects, like that. You know, the the rock that was on the radio and stuff like that, but nothing, nothing heavy really at all. And you, in my mind, you started listening to music in 2011. <laughs> I, yeah, definitely when I got to my, the boarding school that I went to for high school, when I got there, uh, in the summer of 2011, that's when I started, you know, asking people around what kind of music they were listening to. Because I was also kind of generically listening to radio rock. I did like Linkin Park because of my cousin, and but I never dived too, too deep. I always enjoyed roaming around LimeWire and just finding, you know, vaguely Nickelback-esque things because Nickelback was the first concert that I ever really, really enjoyed. It was like 2008 or nine with Seether and uh, Saving Abel. And that show got me excited about music in general, uh, but I never really figured out what heavy music was. The heaviest I was going was Five Finger Death Punch 
And then when I showed people, you know, some of the older students at the at the boarding school, that music, they started turning me on to a little more punkish, a little more metalish, but still fairly mainstream. And it was Warp Tour that kind of sent me down the uh, the up and coming, the newcomers path, the underground path. Yeah. So the way that I um, I prepared was I listened to. Um, just whatever was on YouTube of the bands that I I went to the Warped Tour website and I would just type in the bands into YouTube. And I remember um, being really excited about a few bands, which were um, The Used, which I fell in love with immediately and then actually didn't wind up seeing. Um, <laughs> and Let Live, which we'll talk a lot about Let Live. But the big one um, was Hawthorne Heights. I remember the first I I had heard like saying sorry on the radio um, and I because I remember when I listened to it then I remembered the song but the first song I actually actively listened to by author nights was nervous breakdown in preparation of um, warp tour and that was off the album skeletons that came out in 2011 um, which they, they played on the show and it was awesome. But yeah, that was the first time finding my favorite band ever. Yeah, that was a, uh, it was quite, quite a lead up preparation summer because the, the summer before the first work I went to, I found out maybe like a week beforehand and uh, the friend that I went with kind of showed me some of the bands that were going the night before and I stayed up all night just listening and getting excited uh, about a couple of them for today included which was my favorite band for a long time and uh this but the the second warp tour just months of preparation yeah <laughs> and i remember especially memphis may fire like moths to flames and the amity affliction i was so excited for all of them and at one point during the day and we'll get to a lot of stories as we go through the day but i, I want to jump the gun and just say I was immediately shut down with my love of Memphis May Fire. Oh, oh can, I please, can I please tell this story later? <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, my God. It's, this is my favorite. I still quote what happened to this day. So we'll actually let, we'll speed up a little bit to actually get to the show. But the night before, um, that's what we did. I stayed over at your house, and then we listened to a ton of bands. We, did, we went at like 6 in the morning, so we didn't get any sleep. But I remember listening to Let Live and like breaking down the lyrics um and that was like i didn't listen to a lot of let live but the night before like we were just listening to all the music and getting really excited about it so yeah we were doing deep dives and i think let live had just come out with an album right that was the black is beautiful yeah yeah so we were all excited that they were touring this brand new album and it was getting so popular and banshee was such like a fun song mm -hmm. to jump around to 27 club um yeah that, that's a great album the 10 year anniversary of that album, uh, Jason Alon Butler just put a post up a couple days ago um, about that album. So yeah, that was, that's cool. Um, but yeah, so actually let's just, let's just get right into it. So what I did is I have the schedule. I took a picture on my phone and I still have it 10 years later. Um, and later we'll go through some bands that we missed, but the very first band, um, well, wanna, even before the first band, I just want to say, I feel like something's been lost with Warped Tour because I've gone to a lot of festivals 
since even the end of Warp Tour and before, where you know, there, it's 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 usually the way it goes is the smaller artists kick the day off, the bigger artists close the day out, and all, of course most people listening know how Warp Tour runs. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But what's really been lost to me is this, like what we did even from the very first year, Mr. Walsh and I. Uh, my father took us, and he, and he went. He he enjoyed the whole experience too. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got bagels early in the morning. That was our ritual. We got bagels. We came in prepared to know who we wanted to see, and we got there. The crack of dawn. We waited in line. And we were getting all excited. And we were talking to all these like roadies that were following the tour and giving out CDs. And you just the reason that you don't get that anymore. I feel like is because with Warp Tour, the artist placement in the day was randomized. It was staggered. So you wanted to get there right away, just in case your favorite band was the first one to play during the day. So there's that element to it. There's also just this idea of not only unpredictability, but just like general community camaraderie. Like you're going to have the Warp Tour experience. You're not going to see like, you know, one band or another at the top of the bill. It's just like this moving family city that you want to get there early and get the lay of the land and experience like the new way that they're setting it up every time. And festivals like Bonnaroo, which I just went to, you know, it's great. It's a good time, but the setup is the same pretty much more or less every year. You kind of know where you're going and what you're expecting. And if you sleep in a little bit, so be it. You'll get through the line pretty quickly. You're not going to lose, you know, a spot at the barricade. Everyone's going to be moving from stage to stage. But with Warped Tour, you always wanted to get there early to meet some people, to meet some bands, and to get the set times down as quickly as possible. And also to potentially see your favorite band right as the gates open. So you want it to be right at the front so you didn't miss a single second. Yeah, I think the the thing that was special about Warped Tour rather than any other festival is that it was kind of like, a pilgrimage that everyone made every year it's not like you were going to warp tour it's not like you were going to see memphis mayfire or sleeping with sirens like you were going to warp tour like that was the selling point was warp tour itself it didn't even really matter who was playing whereas like other festivals like it's not a thing where you go to the same festival every year regardless of who's playing Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah, definitely a different culture yeah we actually Later on, in different years, they would post the um, the schedule on like their Instagram a, an hour before every day or something. But for the early years that we went, you you didn't know who was playing where or when. So as soon as you went in there, they told you not to run, but everyone was sprinting to the <laughs> big inflatable schedule they had. And then, yeah, we took a picture. They had an app later that we would just enter all the bands and try to you know plan out your day um as you're going to your first show that's starting in five minutes it was a blast yeah it was yeah it it, it had an energy that hasn't been replicated do you remember the first thing that we ate when we got inside no (laughs) i don't either i know one year we had like (laughs) like some sort of pepper Sausage, sausage and peppers. I don't remember what that oh, was. Oh, yeah. I don't know. But this this first year was at a different... Yeah, this was, was at Nassau Coliseum. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. moved to Jones Beach in New York, at least, after a while, which I always thought was strange <laughs> that it was on Long Island anyway, not in the city. Yeah, so this was actually the last year that they had it at Nassau Coliseum um, on Long Island, and then they 
moved it to um, Jones Beach in the parking lot. Um, so yeah, it was it was a it was a cool setup, and it was also like trying to map it out, um, especially because we hadn't been there before. Usually, if you go to the same place every few years, well, they they have the same place you go every year. You like know where the stages are going to be, but. The first two years, we had no idea because it was our first time there. And then they changed venues. So yeah, it was a big, uh, big old thing. So we got to get into it. The first band that played, which actually I wasn't super into at the time. But then after seeing them, I got really into it was like Malls to Flames. And that was the first time I had ever been in a pit. And it wasn't crazy because it was, you know, 11, 15 and people were still <laughs> filing in. But it was cool because um, the monster stage that they were on was like right by the entrance. So as you walked in, like they were getting ready to play. And um, yeah, I just remember it being such an eye opening experience for me. It was such a good crowd. We started jumping right away. And I can't, I can't see this all the schedule. Some of it's been blurred out by time and <laughs> pixelation. But I remember the year before being so scared of newfound glory because it's the first pit that I really experienced, like being sardined in, just oh, being yeah. moved, you know, without wanting to move, which is so sweaty and compacted. So I just did not want to see them again. <laughs> so starting right at like Moss to Flames, I knew I was excited about it. GNF was my favorite song. Of oh the my year. god, yeah. And they just as soon as the, the show started, seeing that they were first just brought me so much joy. And we were front and center, directly in the middle, just bouncing. Yeah. Just bouncing. Yeah, like that I could I can't imagine a more perfect way to start that that day. And they actually it was funny, their tagline, which we've I don't know if they did it every year. But we adopted saying it was best day ever. It was like on all the posters and things. And um, yeah, I just got immediately into it. Like, yeah, yeah, this is probably going to be the best day ever. I can't actually see which time was first, but was a, did we go straight to Upon a Burning Body? We went, like we went straight to Upon a Burning Body. So like Mollus the Flames started at, it says 11.15 here. And then Upon a Burning Body started at 11.45. So we went straight there. And our other friend that we went with, <laughs> or was it you that got severely injured? <laughs> so yeah, second time ever going in a pit, I learned a valuable lesson to be aware of my surroundings. <laughs> um, because there was a crowd surfer, I took a knee to the back of the head, um, and I was I had to remove myself <laughs> because I had a likely concussion. So yeah, I, I sat out of that one, um, but I remember that being a really great time. Um, yeah, we were body. singing along. So, at the time, it was like my ringtone at the time was an upon a burning body song. Was it intermission? No, it was a it was a, a crazy one, red, white, and something. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, oh, Predators was my alarm actually. Uh, <laughs> But either way, that was another answer. Going, singing for, and dancing, and already sweating early in the morning to like Moss of Flames, and running over to a pond burning body, and jumping straight in because they were already playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, well, the crowd wasn't too large over there. There was a, quite like a lot of space for the pit at a pond burning body. 
Yeah, I don't have a great memory of it because that was knocked out of me. Um, and then I remembered I had to take a break for a little bit. <laughs> so um, the next show, I, I didn't go in, um, but that was a woe is me. So you can talk a bit about what was me. This is, I think, where you got your legendary um, jersey. So the jersey was later on. It was the one and only time in the history of my concert going experience that I waited in a signature line because I, I've never, I still was a still was a rookie and I, I still you know thought it was cool to have band signatures and you know some people some people some of my friends are still into that. I've kind of moved on and I don't really see the uh, the value in signed things anymore. But it is the one poster that I still have. But this was that was later in the day during Architects that I waited in that line. But uh, yeah, what was me in the lead up had become another one of my favorite bands uh, in during the year. Was playing them a lot at every sports practice. Just you know, foisting them on everyone that could possibly listen. And it was really just three extremely bouncy, extremely sing-along friendly metalcore bands in a row. Uh, so it just really set the tone for a day of exhaustion and hydration, uh, you know, being necessary. But I think Woe Is Me was a little bit less uh, emotionally intense, I guess, than like Moths to Flames. Like Moths to Flames felt more emo-ish in their metalcore. Uh, they had kind of this attitude about them. Whereas what was me, even though they were experiencing some of that uh, schisming, uh, pre, right pre-issues, they were still you know kind of angsty. The general vibe was a bit more like party-ish, like they were just having a good time. But the vocals were crazy, killer, and it, it kind of rests in my memory. Uh, very distinctly as just another fun time. And I was like looking around and talking to people that had been following them for a while. Uh, and they were a little disappointed that they were playing so many new songs, but I only knew the new songs. So I was excited. Yeah. So that was, that was the Michael Bond, Tyler Carter version of what was me, right? Yeah, I believe there was no, well, I think Hank was still in it. I actually don't know. Again, I'm not. Too, I wouldn't have to look at the poster that I got that day to even know, but I'm pretty sure the vocalist was Hank. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think Tyler Carter was in it at that point. Okay. So actually, um, I wrote actually wrote down like which ones we went to, and I just realized that I was wrong because um, I a memory just popped into my my head. I thought we went to see either the Chariot or um, August Burns Red. But we went to see We Came as Romans next because I remember um, the year before the Punk Goes Pop album had come out and they covered Glad You Came. And oh, I remember yeah. at the end of their set, they performed Glad You Came. So that I is, think we called the end of it. Honest, that's the only memory I have of that set. And I remember being directly front and center for that song and mm -hmm. turning to me like, ah. There it is. Yeah, so I think we went there late. I think we got there like midway through We Came as Romans. But yeah, that's like the one memory that sticks in my mind. Um, Probably, because I remember passing the Wonder Years and not going in. Yeah. No, Wonder Years was after. So I think after that, we were... We actually went to... We were just hanging out for a little bit. So yeah, we probably did pass the Wonder Years. 
Um, and we probably got food then. And I remember I got a real big fish t-shirt and I got a Hawthorne Heights t-shirt. Um, I still remember that Hawthorne Heights t-shirt. It was a, a Reaper with a red hood. It just doesn't match their vibe at all, but I thought it was cool. So I bought it. And then as I recall during that like interim period, you went in and I watched from outside, uh, no bragging rights. Definitely saw no bragging rights. I think we saw hundredth too, but I don't see them on the schedule. Maybe they're one. Of no, hundredth was the next year, I believe. Next year, yeah, yeah. No bragging rights. It was a very small crowd, but it was still fun. That stage was kind of like tucked in randomly between some trees. It was yeah, really small, uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was uh, my first time experiencing hardcore like that, and uh, kind of the political vibes that came with it. So between no bragging rights and later on in the day, stick to your guns, uh, kind of had a, a crash course in uh, what punk and hardcore can mean for me. It kind of sent me on a whole different trajectory because I thought I was exclusively a metal guy. Yeah. Granted, they do have the, the metal influence, of course, but more hardcore leaning. Yeah, I so- saw the, the two-stepping and the flailing for the first time in full force. More so in those pits than even in some of the Deathcore shows the year before. So next, I'm really excited to talk about this. Next, we saw the Amity Affliction. And we the Amity Affliction was like really big to me. Then that was like the first metalcore band I really got into, even pre like Moths to Flames. That was like my metalcore band that I loved going in. Because... Um, let the Ocean Take Me actually hadn't come out yet, so it was their first two albums, and um, Open Letter, I remember, was like the big song at the time. And I really enjoyed the show, but the part that I most enjoyed about it was, so apparently, at some point previously, like maybe the day before, um, Matty Mullins, lead singer of <laughs> Memphis Mayfire, um, shamed the women in his audience before playing Jezebel. What's your recollection of the the <laughs> claim against Maddie Mullins? Yeah, the the uh, the allegation was that uh, you know Maddie Mullins had been saying something about how women in the audience should you know be careful how they're dressing in these environments, uh, and that the next song was about the kind of temptation that they might provide if they're not careful. And, uh, yeah, how <laughs> many affliction did not take kindly to that? Yeah. Good. So also, um, they had a, um, their drummer at the time wasn't with them. Uh, so they had a touring drummer who was black and, uh, and the couple of days before he got, um, some racist comments leveled toward him and they talked about that. And, um, so the call, to the audience was fuck Maddie Mullins and fuck racism, <laughs> which any time Memphis Mayfire is brought up in my presence to this day, I say fuck Maddie Mullins and fuck racism. Which I wonder if they ever made up. I probably not. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was the first like message that I heard at at one of these like metal shows that they're like, you know, bands often have a message and Amity Affliction is more, um, they're pretty left, especially um, 
Oh, wow. I just forgot his name. I follow him on Twitter. Is it Joel? Something? Yeah, Joel, Joel Birch. Um, so yeah, he, he's, he's a good Twitter follow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he was calling out, you know, um, people in the scene for sexism and also calling out racism, which I really jive with, um, even in my ignorant <laughs> youth. Um, but the funny thing was, do you remember who we went to see immediately after the Amity Affliction? Memphis Mayfire. Yeah, it was Memphis Mayfire. <laughs> But be- it was because so we had a lot of fun at the Amity Affliction. We like when, especially when Open Letter played. It was one of those moments where we turned to each other. Where we were just kind of like headbanging really hard, and we didn't know the words as well as we thought we did, but we knew the chorus. <laughs> yeah, hard for it. But it it so turned me off from Memphis Mayfire that we stood in the way back. We didn't even enter it. <laughs> we were yeah. tired but we got some water and watched from the way back. Yeah, because I, I remember giving you so much shit on the way over to Memphis Mayfire, because I just pretty much followed you the whole day. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, There's only one time I, I did my own thing at the uh, the entire day. Um, I'm and, surprised you don't remember Architects while we were waiting for the Woe is Me did, did I, I don't know if I put down Architects. I didn't write it down. Because that was... Yeah, okay, yeah. So we did see Architect. That's why we were late to Memphis, uh, not Memphis, to We Came as Romans. Because you were waiting oh, on the line for What Was Me, and um, Architects was happening at that time. Oh. Yeah, okay, so that fills that gap in my memory. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, Motion City soundtrack for us. Oh, that was just such a good year. Yeah, didn't we'll go, at, after I go through all these, we'll go through a, a bunch that we missed. Um, so yeah, after Memphis Mayfire, we yeah, we stood in the back because we kind of felt ashamed of being seen there <laughs> um, at that point. And then we went to, I would say, the most formative performance, like the most important show maybe that I've ever gone to, which was Let Live. Yeah. So... The thing I don't know how it wouldn't change anyone, honestly. The thing about like I was having a great time and I was really enjoying myself and I was loving the music. So I but I do kind of think that in Let Live was the first time that I ever felt like I was a part of something. I was a part of a community. I was a part of like a movement, a part of uh, one whole, and that was during their performance of Mother. And actually, I think it's probably still on YouTube. I remember finding it on YouTube. Um, if you type in Let Live uh, Warp Tour 2013, it'll, it might pop up. Um, but there's a point where the crowd was singing, um, Don't You Cry, Mama, We'll Be Okay. And like everyone, they stopped playing. And Jason was like brought to tears almost just looking over the sea of people singing and he was just so intense and then i remember that moment where just everything stopped and he just took in the moment and we were all experiencing this moment together and that was the point where i realized how special this was and yeah it was just i still remember it clearly to this day what 
looking at Jason up there singing along, just, I remember the feeling. And yeah, that was just one of the most important moments of my life. It was the first time <clears throat> that I think I saw a band really perform. Like every member of the band was so mobile and intense and like shouting out, you know, <laughs> different uh, ad libs all throughout the songs. And Jason jumping into the crowd and running around their us. And yeah, it was uh, everyone that you pushed just had the same kind of demeanor of like this, this energy means something like we're actually energizing each other. We're not expending energy right now. We're just, we're exchanging it. And uh, yeah, I, I had the same feeling of just familial vibes all the way down. And then when the show ended, he jumped off stage and ran into a bush next to your dad. It's true. Yeah, it was weird. He just, <laughs> just ran off stage on that into a bush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like the if you had ever seen Let Live or maybe you've seen Fever or just seen videos of Jason doing his thing, he's he goes crazy and it's awesome. Um, I actually remember after this, before we did anything else, I um, had a conversation with... Um, the Krishna people that would always be there. Yeah. Um, and he gave me a few books because I donated to his, um, I just, you know, gave him some money after talking with him and then he gave me some books and then I brought him home and my dad threw them out. <laughs> he was like, what the hell is this? Oh, I'll never I know. Know. He just handed them to me. I was maybe going to read them. Yeah. They were thrown out. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so then um, the next was Silverstein, which is I can't believe how great the bands that we've seen already. Like I forgot about Silverstein until I looked. I was like, because we've seen Silverstein at like every Warp Tour we've ever been to, because they were always there. But yeah, Silverstein's just awesome. Yeah. So the Silverstein show, I want to say, so what Let Live was to you. It's weird because I don't remember the actual, um, like, seeing them that well. I don't remember any specific memories of it. I remember the setup and the backdrop. Um, but the album that was going to come out next year, the, a couple of singles had been released for it. And it, like, seeing them at Warped Tour that year prepared me to be excited for this is how the wind shifts and i know a lot of people are like big silverstein fans for much longer and a long time prior to that album but that album placed post hardcore uh to such a high i guess admiration point in my like that album again shifted the dynamics of my listening so that i wasn't only listening to super heavy music. I wasn't only listening to like weird, eclectic, you know, strange noise music. Like this was the kind of melodic emo style, uh, post hardcore that I really got into. And that album I fixated on for so long. So it was that. And then the story so far also in the show, which we talked about in a little bit, 
but those two albums, Things I Can't Change, they are Things I Can't See, or whatever it was called. Things I Can't Change. Things I Can't Change. I think that's the song, or Things I Don't See is the album. Or yeah. I don't know. yeah. But uh, yeah. I'm bad at names, but yeah, that album was so, so formative for me because of this show. Uh, and I just can never pay enough homage to it because I feel like it's so underrated in their discography. I think this is how the wind shifts in like the chronology of Silverstein is a super important album. It's a great album. Like I love that album. A lot of our friends love it. Um, it's it's up there with one of their best. But it was the point at which they really shifted from post hardcore to more metalcore stylings, which you could see more of in their later um, albums like I'm Eleven, Everything I Touched, and Dead Reflections. Um, so they were doing a lot of new, more metal influenced stuff than in, say, um, discovering the waterfront, which was, is like, oh, it's perfect post hardcore and like arrivals and departures and things like that. But yeah, this is how the wind shifts is such a, such a brilliant album. And yeah, I can definitely see how you having a more of a metal sensibility at that times would really appreciate that album. Formative. Yeah. So actually, I wish this I remember is... the show itself a little more, but yeah. But so we we've, we've seen Silverstein so many times, so many times. So the next, actually, this is I think maybe the first point where we split um, in our day is because I went to go see Hawthorne Heights, and you stayed for I see Stars. Hmm. So yeah, I remember I w- I wasn't close for Hawthorne Heights, but I I had to see them. They um. They had just come out with um, Golden Parachutes as a single. I don't think... Hold on, let me just check uh, to see if Zero had come out yet. So Zero was released when? June 25th. Yeah, so Zero had just been released. Their weakest album, I would say. Um, But I still loved... I I love it, and I loved it, especially with their... um, single golden parachutes which i was playing on repeat really annoying everyone around me and yeah they performed that and yeah they were just great it was my first time experiencing like some uh, that band that i was like so excited that like it was a must see for me and that like for any other band i probably wouldn't have left you i would probably just stayed with you and done whatever you were doing but that was the one like i have to see all the right And yeah, that was just, it was a great show. They always put on a great show. But you saw I See Stars and you loved I I remember you going crazy for I See Stars at this time. Yeah, because at this time, the, my like net, the music that I was listening to the most outside of kind of warp tour stylings, the music I was listening to the most on my own, uh, Skrillex kind of had invaded my soul. And I was really <laughs> into dubstep at the time. And in preparation for this warp tour, electronicore was such a beautiful concept to me because it had bass drops and breakdowns. <laughs> and I just was so pumped for Icy Stars. And it was the biggest party of my life. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's been crazier shows since, but up until that point, I did not know I could have that much fun. 
I didn't know that you were allowed to dance in a like a heavy music setting. People were just actually genuinely dancing, as well as hardcore dancing, as well as crowd surfing, as well as moshing. And it was my first wall of death during NZT 48, which is a bass drop and a breakdown at the same time. <laughs> and it was just, man. And it was my first, like, queer moment as well because i fell deeply in love with yes. the unclean vocalist who i thought was so attractive and i didn't even know that was possible for myself but he was just like the coolest guy with these deep growls partying on stage and yeah i had to keep that one to myself i thought it was the bassist that you were in love with no it was one of the brothers the unclean vocalist okay um, yeah yeah, yeah. I, re I remember your infatuation with a member of their band. <laughs> yeah, that was, oh, it was just such a fun time. And uh, I remember finding you right after and you were in great spirits because you had seen the band that you loved and we were just all smiling. Yeah, and the other yeah. friend that we went with was just super into it because he's more like jockish and party-ish. Mm -hmm. He just loved how silly and crazy it was. And prior to that, we had just been, at least I had just been wandering around for a while. I remember being in awe of just like Bring Me the Horizon being a heavy band on a big stage and like I walked by forever the sickest kids for some reason. I thought they were kind of jamming. And uh, what was the other one? Oh, at some point I saw like two Crown the Empire songs as well. Oh yeah, we got to talk. I, I'm going to talk about that a little later because they were on the Ernie Ball stage, and I'm going to go over um, all, everyone who was on the Ernie Ball stage. That was like the at one point it was called like the Battle of the Band stage or something like that. It was like the new up and coming band. Um, but yeah, Crown the Empire was on that, and that's crazy because they had already come out with two albums and the Fallout. I remember being like a big album in the scene, but and that came out the year before, and yet they were still on the smallest stage. Yeah. But moving on through where we went next, um, so I actually don't, I think I kind of chilled for a while because um, I know While She Sleeps was playing and Shiotos was playing and Man Overboard, but I don't think I went to any of them. And Secrets. I don't, I don't remember think I, it either. Yeah, I don't think, I think we just kind of hung out for a bit. Um, and then the next was Stick to Your Guns was the next one that I saw. Yeah, that was the first time that uh, I, I have this just weird, distinct memory. Obviously, on a, on a day like that, you get a lot of firsts. But there was this really long-haired guy just drenched in sweat. And he was whipping his hair in circles. And he yeah. kept slapping me across the face. Oh, my God. It's a nightmare. <laughs> I, I was, like, a little bit annoyed. But, it, again, it was another experience where i actually knew the like these really emotional words to these songs and it hadn't fully settled in like how much they meant to the artists until i saw them on stage and you get those pre-song speeches and stick to your guns has a lot of pre-song speeches so it was another kind of let live-ish moment where i felt very connected to the music and i feel like the live show really enhanced the music that i already enjoyed uh, a couple of very distinct mosh memories in there too. One, another one. I had tried out my. I was experimenting with high jumps throughout the day. That day, <laughs> I do remember that. 
Uh, it was during Amber that I had my first uh, shoulder jump where I grabbed onto two people's shoulders in front of me and screamed a couple of lines. Still do that, annoyingly. I do. Love that. Well, you annoy a lot of people. I, I don't mind it, but you annoy a lot of people <laughs> doing that. Um, <laughs> so after Stick to Your Guns was, it was kind of, we kind of just wandered. Uh, the story so far, I think, was the next one we saw but i don't think did we go into the story so far no just we watched a couple of the stories so far songs um and then we went over to sleeping with sirens which yes sucked it was terrible we didn't go far in we we regretted not staying for the all of the story so far yeah especially when we were listening to them more and more later on because we liked the live show and thought that the uh, crowd was pretty cool, moshing as hard as they were to something a little bit softer. Yeah, I remember, I think we were at Sleeping Your Sirens for like five minutes, if that. Because I remember Kellen Quinn in between songs. Like, I forget what the next song was. But he was like, this next song is about sex. And then, <laughs> like, all these, like, 15-year-old girls were going crazy. And I'm like... I feel like the song is not about sex. So then I left because I thought he was just trying to rile people up. <laughs> and then we saw um, Defeater was playing at that time on Monster. So we walked by that as we left. But we need to talk for a moment about <laughs> the very last band that played was Middle Finger Salute. Yeah, I remember being upset that we... Uh that we weren't staying for Defeater because I hadn't listened to them at all, but they were going crazy on stage. And I was into the sound. My father wanted to keep moving. And we, we kind of got distracted, I think, by fireflies or something. We were, like, following some fireflies. And then on this tiny you stage... You might have been. <laughs> I might have been. The same, just... It was even smaller than the No Ragging Rights stage. It was just, like... It was barely off the ground, from what I remember. Yeah, yeah, it was like in a in a little it was in like a little courtyard area where there were tables yeah. for people just like sit and eat and yeah, it was like a little teeny tiny stage. Um but actually I'll go through the stage names cuz I think they're cool. The two main stages were the Kia Soul stage and the Kia Forte stage. Monster <laughs> Energy was always a that was a staple. The Tilly's stage was um the smaller stage that later became the Journey stage and the Domo I don't remember what Domo is, but they got a stage. <laughs> and then Kevin says, obviously, and the Spotify stage, which we didn't go to at all. I actually don't even know where it was, but it was a EDM and hip hop stage. It was the first year they did that. And then, of course, the Ernie Ball stage for the Battle of the Bands. It's winners. funny because we listened to all the Spotify stage artists and there were like a couple of songs. Like, oh, this is OK, but nothing ever. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, that was the end of our day was walking, seeing Middle Finger Salute um, and walking out during Defeater. So let's go through quickly and just name some of the other bands that we were there that we missed. Well, you we... got to say what was so special about Middle Finger Salute. I don't remember what was so special <laughs> about Middle Finger Salute. I remember remembering them for some reason. What do you recall about Middle Finger? I remember them being a big deal to us and no one else. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were three people there. And, yes, and they got the the vocalist with his guitar came off of the stage and in fr in front of the barrier and was just playing like in front of us. 
And it's just kind of like chatting, like during the songs, and just like thanking us for you know giving him a moment. And we felt so special because we had never. Yeah. It was this big festival, and we felt like we had this like forbidden knowledge because he was actually like good, you know. <laughs> he yeah. Was good, and we just felt like we had like one up to a lot of people there by like experiencing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where where the everyone can you can keep your story so far since leaving the sirens, we're seeing middle finger salute. Exactly. So and we're one of the seven people there. Right? We're like fifteen. Just thought we yeah. were so cool. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I've, I just remember them being a big deal to us. We had never done that before. We had never felt like we had no, we hadn't had the experience of like going to these tiny bar shows yet. You know, mm-hmm. we've done it a hundred times since then, and not, then we were like, "We're their biggest fan." Okay, so let's run through um, a couple of bands that I want to highlight um, that I didn't see, but I would have. I became a fan of later. Or was a fan of at the time, but didn't get to see. So obviously, the used was the big one for me that was missed. Obviously, real big fish was there. They're always there, um, and um, set it off, which I actually saw a few months later. The first concert I ever went to, like on my own, you weren't there. I brought my mom and Jeff. Um, was set it off Hawthorne Heights, like Moss of Flames, and um, Story of the Year, and all four of those bands played on this show. So that was fun, and. Um, Hands like houses, you you've come to Hands like houses. Well, I saw them the next year. That I think that was when I got into Hands like houses. Ooh, think something I want to mention. Jen Wigmore was on this show, <laughs> and she is married to Jason Butler of Let Live. And I I'm wondering if this is where they met. I think that would have been cute. What was this? The only show that she was on? Or she was no, on she was on the whole tour, but maybe it was the show that they fell in love. <laughs> maybe. But also, yeah, Black Veil Brides was there, Motion City Soundtrack, um, Wonder Years. I was into New Year's Day for a while. Um, anyone you want to mention? Uh, I mean, I cannot believe All-Star Weekend and the Somerset were there. Um, I mean, I guess I can believe the Somerset, but both of those bands at the time were like kind of pop radio-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember hating at the time Never Shot Never and 303. Wanting nothing to do with them. Um, you grew to love three hundred three. No, I've never. We all did. You love. I had, I had one fun three hundred three experience at the at the last Warped Tour, just because we were all together. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I, I'm surprised to see Motion City soundtrack because I know everyone else in our friend group has always listened to them, but I really only started listening to them like three years ago or so, and. Uh, I feel like I had never even known that they existed. Uh, so having seen them back here is kind of interesting. Story of the Year also. Huge band now. Just played a stadium right here in Cleveland. Uh, Black Dahlia Murder I had, like was way too intense for me at the time. If it didn't have a core in the name, I wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, it was too scary for me, too satanic, too demonic. Uh, but I've since come to love them as well. But the uh, the two biggest ones, I mean, of course, there are a lot of formative bands here. We've talked about the story so far. We've talked about that Silverstein album. But falling so deeply in love with the Chariot album that was had come out, and I don't remember seeing them uh, 
at all. I think that's why I went to go see Besides For Today. There was a show uh, a little later that summer with For Today and the Chariot as they lay dying in the Devil Wars Prada. But it was uh, having the Chariot on this lineup that really uh, got me into them. But the story so far on Stick to Your Guns always stuck with me from this. As far as other artists I see on here that uh, became something that... Uh, I didn't end up seeing the one that really sticks out is citizen. Um, citizen is still to this day, usually floats between my sixth and seventh favorite band. And, uh, another one of our friends at the time who we didn't really hang out with at all during the day had called me and said, citizens on now come see citizen. And I was like, who's like, no, I don't see citizen. And I regret that so deeply because they are, like I said, just one of my absolute favorite bands now, and I would have loved to have seen them in those those early days. And uh, I still didn't get to see. They did uh, a big uh, anniversary show of youth recently, just a couple of shows yeah. around the country, and I didn't get to go to any of those. So some regrets with Citizen back then, but it was such a perfect day that I don't know if you can even call them regrets. But uh, shout out, Citizen. I hope you had fun on Long Island back in 2012. 13. Thirteen. So, all right. I went through um, all the bands on the Ernie Ball stage, just did some brief Spotify searching and Googling. And because um, I wanted to see these were the up and coming bands at the time. And I want to see, you know, what became of all of them. So I made a couple notes. Um, a band's called The Always. They have a. Um, a they had a. Um, two albums i think the last one came out in 2018 but they had this one huge song at the time uh the album came out in 2013 they currently have uh 32,000 monthly listeners on spotify um and i don't think they're together anymore but their song eyes for you has 8.7 million listens on spotify and on youtube the music video has 1.6 million views so i thought that was pretty cool um art of shock their last album was on um was 2018 but they actually they released a single yesterday um they have 5590 um spotify listeners but i went to their um website and i saw this thing in there about the band thing so i'm going to read that really quickly um, it says, Art of Shock's sheer determination pushed the band not only to multiple Southern California stages, but also an unexpected slot of the band's Warp Tour. Firing off a blind email to Warped founder Kevin Lyman, AOS earned a slot on the Ernie Ball stage in exchange for manning the grill at each post-shore Warped barbecue. <laughs> Quote, it was the best way for us to not lose money, laughs Adrian. We didn't realize we were going to be fed hundred... We were... We didn't realize we were going to be feed hundreds of people each night. It was hard, but it was worth it. We were the weirdo band on the tour anyways, this metal band that was there for a pop punk emo and screamo. But somehow we ended up selling 3,000 CDs. Nice. So that was a, a cool moment for them. Um, and they're still making music now. Echo Smith. Also, they had the huge song, Cool Kids, obviously. Yeah, they, they blew up the next year. Um, so I got to be the hipster that said I knew that song before it became big. Um, they currently have 3.2 million uh, Spotify listeners. 
um, yeah, they returned um, the next year. They were on a main stage, so they went from the Bernie Ball stage to the main stage, and they're still making music now. Uh, Crown the Empire is now more popular than ever, right? They're, they've just been growing. Uh, they released their sixth album this year, and I think they have like 800,000 listeners on Spotify, so they're doing great. Crossfaith was on that stage. They have five albums. Their last album was released in 2018, but they're still playing shows um, as of this year, as of a few days ago, actually. Um, Driver Friendly, they had they released three albums. The last one was in 2018, but they're still active. They have a couple shows coming up in September. And um, Middle Finger Salute has 13 monthly listeners on Spotify. They have two singles on Spotify. <laughs> Darn. So yeah, that was the the state of um so i guess all the other ones in that stage were just locals then. yeah they were locals they had like one album released around that time and had like under 200 monthly listeners they never did anything else the ones i highlighted were the ones that like had longer careers gotcha. but actually i want to highlight mac lethal oh, yeah. was on the spotify stage and he if you've seen that huge video on youtube 27 styles of rapping that's mac lethal yes I also, I, I'm looking at it now. Uh, I mean, Crossfaith just said, but Biebs and our moneymakers, those two. Oh, yeah, Biebs. Kind of warped tour staples in later years. They came back and again and again. And Kevin Lyman just seemed to love both of them, both of those bands. We should also mention Secrets and Volumes were there as well. Yep. And Secrets I like more now than I ever have before. They've returned to their heavy roots. Mm -hmm. Volumes is definitely as big as they've ever been. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see how this one day of our lives when we were teenagers really shaped our music listening habits till today. Because so many of yeah. these bands we still we've seen many times, we still listen to. Um, you know, some are Actually, I don't know who a bunch of them are still around. I think the Let Live obviously is no longer around. Um, but yeah, I think a lot Black Veil Brides, Go Radios, I don't think not around anymore. Man Overboard is not around. Man Overboard, they were a Warped Tour stable. But yeah, this is uh, this was a moment in time. Um, it really seemed like a lot of these bands were peaking or on the come up to be even more popular today. I'm very grateful for everything it gave us. And uh, I still, if it, if it came back today, I, uh, I don't think there's any way I could be mad about it. I would still, I would still be down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we would have to, we would have to go, even if it's not Kevin Lyman running it, maybe Franz. <laughs> uh, he's Ron teased it for like five years up a lot. he joined that uh that deathcore super group and he got he was kicked up or left who knows pretty quickly well it feels like he just lost all musical talent like five <laughs> years ago he's not been putting out anything too good no he has but, like a rap album as well as bad. before we go on another goodbye tangent oh yeah um 
Bye. <laughs> Updates coming soon. Thanks for listening, y'all. Stay safe. Stay sane.